Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats number one, one, one. I'm Jeremy and as always I'm joined with my co-host Ed Wynn of UnnamedGameshop.com and Jim Casali of Gathering Magic and CoolStuffInc.com. As always, we'd like to thank our co-sponsor, CoolStuffInc.com, for providing us with a free $25 gift certificate to give away. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more and a sweet 25% buy list bonus, CoolStuffInc.com is the store for all of your Magic the Gathering needs. How are you guys doing this week? Well, I'm doing okay, but I thought this cast was going to be canceled today because uh, Deadward was sleeping. Yes, Deadward. That wasn't asleep. Ed said, for those who don't know, there's a thing every week where Ed says he will be on at a certain time and then he falls asleep. And then we, uh, it's we not every time it's like the third time, but it's more than no times. It, it's enough times. Um, Ed, where are you currently? I'm in district nine in Prague after a very, very long, uh, flight to get here. Uh, so Ed is currently in the Hunger Games. He's in District 9, uh, which is close to the venue. So if you're going to be at the Grand Prix, you should say hi to him because I know we have a couple of European viewers that are going to be there just based off of Twitter. Um, Jim, what have you been up to? Uh, as far as Magic, like my playgroup started their pre-con league, so I'm debating on what are the most unreasonable ways to kill people. Hmm. Complain about like, Finest Hour. That's a good way to kill people. Yeah, Finest Hour is dumb and stupid, and I wish it wasn't in the deck, but uh, Commander Damage is also dumb and stupid. I think I'm leaning towards playing Rest in Peace and Helm of Obedience, because I'm just that kind of guy. Makes but, sense. Um, yeah, not a whole lot going on. I have a lot of planning to do and stuff for my wedding. A lot of little details to nail down so i haven't been as involved in magic as i would like to have been lately but also like this weekend magic twitter was like a dumpster fire so i don't really feel like i missed a whole lot man i took the weekend off and i went to manhattan and i actually there were some cartel listeners that knew i was there and we were like trying to meet up but i didn't have time it was nice to just like not check twitter and uh get away from it all so and speaking of getting away from it all, Ed and I have started talking about what suit I'm going to wear to Jim's wedding because uh, he's losing this Bitcoin bet that we made on Cartel almost a year ago. How does that at all relate to getting away from it all? Like, how did you segue that way? Because you go from civilization to Florida. But I live in a city in Florida, not like where Florida man lives. It's still a swamp. Still counts. Um, so... It'll be a ton of fun, and we will definitely post a picture of Ed's shaved head uh, on the cartel page. I think I think that's the that's the part that hurts, isn't? It's not the money being lost; it's the fact that Ed will have no hair. No, it's for sure the worst part about it is losing a bet to you. Both <laughs> the conditions of the bet are not as nearly as bad as losing to you. Uh, I guess that makes sense. Um, but you know, it's worse than losing a bet. Hearing about it every day. Counterfeits. Oh, man. No, I definitely think that Ed's thing, hearing about it every day, is definitely worse. Um, as everybody knows, everyone was complaining about counterfeits, and I figured we might as well bring this topic back into the rotation. Um, I had a couple of customers come in, and after uh, 
when I was back on Monday and they were like, I don't know if my cards are counterfeits because uh, I've been seeing all this stuff online and they're getting better. And I whipped out a loop and I was like, here's the rosette pattern. Here's the light test. Boom, they're real. And they were like, wait, I thought that it was harder than that to see if a card was real. And it was like, nope. Um, yeah. So TCG player came out with a statement on counterfeits as well and their buyer protection that they always advertise. Uh, do you guys just want to sort of touch real fast on how the seventh edition counter or the seventh wave of counterfeits is like not a big deal most of the time? Cause I know Ed deals with this a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I purchased a ton of cards that could, that are likely to be counterfeit targets. That being said, like some of them are pretty obvious and I don't play in competitive REL tournaments where like I'm very afraid of having a counterfeit in my deck. That being said, if you're worried about that kind of stuff, support your LGS and buy your cards there. They should know better. Uh, so the biggest thing about counterfeits is there's no actual reason to just be like, it sounds like from what your customers are from their reactions, Jeremy, it sounds like they're just being like a little bit, like too paranoid about it. It's not like, you know, there's no reason you should think like, oh my God, every vendor out there is like, there's counterfeits everywhere. Everyone's out to get me type thing. That's that's definitely not the case. Know your source. Um, most vendors, if, you know, if they're reputable, they one, actively won't be selling fake cards. Um, a lot of vendors, uh, I know like they'll, uh, if you ask them, you can actually, uh, like you can just ask them, they'll show you fakes. Like I know in uh, one of my boxes somewhere, I don't think I have it with me actually. I just have a bunch of cards that are that are in sleeves. I probably should write on the card and write fake just so they don't get, if I lose them or something, they don't get put back into circulation. But I have a bunch of different iterations. You can see like, once you actually look at fakes, it's very, very easy to tell that which ones are fake, which ones are real. The harder, uh, the harder problem that I imagine people, most people would have to deal with is that they don't actually know what fake card looks like. So they, there's, there's no distinction between, you know, I have like my entire modern deck, you know, if you play like, uh, what's, what's a reasonably expensive, like John, for example, it's like, you know, mo almost every card in the John deck has been in one of the, uh, in one of the iterations of the fakes at some point, like Liliana, Tarmogoyf, uh, Black Thief, Cliffs, Burn Catacombs, etc. Um, so, if you actually look at a fake and compare it to a real one, you'll be able to instantly tell. Like most of them, just the feel alone should give it away. Uh, it, most of them just have like a very waxy uh, texture that's not very. Um, that's not very hard to distinguish. Like if you just feel enough magic cards, like you'll know. Like okay, magic card is not supposed to feel like this. Uh, the other big thing is if you're looking at a vendor showcase, for example, uh, and it's something expensive, just ask them, hey, can I take a closer look at your, your Tarmogoyce or your Lilianas or something? Um, again, it's very possible that you know they bought Jun deck or something and the four Liliana of the Veils were fake, and they just they didn't even think about it. They just like pulled them out of sleeves and put them in their sleeve and put them back in their showcase. Um, the font is you look at it and compare it side by side to a real card you'll immediately be able to pick it out um and again for the most part like if you're buying from reputable sources the likelihood that you actually will get a fake is very very low and even if you do they'll usually have they'll usually just say yep this card's a fake here's your money back type thing um so that that's really all i have to say about counterfeits tcg has their protection plan it's good against it 
um, eBay will obviously always side with the buyer in every situation. So you're protecting against it there. Um, there's no reason to like be overly scared about them. Just be aware that they are out there. And again, if you go to a Grand Prix, just ask the vendor to say like, Hey, do you guys buy fakes this weekend? Or do you have any fakes on you? Most vendors will usually have some, they'll be able to show you and you can just kind of compare them side by side with a real card. And you'll just immediately be able to say like, Oh, this is a fake. Um, it does get harder if you're trying to buy a lot of cards and you're like, you see a lot of them, you don't really think about it, especially on the smaller things. Like it's one thing to have fake Liliana's and Paragoyves, but you're probably never going to look it over and think like, oh, this Aether Vial is fake. Um, and those are ones that you have to be more cognizant of. I will also just point out that um, as far as like the feel of the card is concerned, just because it feels waxy doesn't mean it's fake. It just means that exactly. you should take a, a second look. There are cards that are real magic cards that have a waxy print on them because they're from precondex. Um, most notably, like the Burning uh, Catacomb, the, Goblin Guide, Blood wind, Yeah, Windswept Heath is like that too. It's it's like supplementary standard reprint decks. I, I don't remember what they used to call them. Do you remember event the name decks. of it? Yeah, event decks. There we go. The event decks. Grandpa Jim so, is going into uh, the bad part now. They like changed the name of them three times now. I don't know. I they used to be event decks, then they were called something else. They're they're called what are they called now? Like something new, right? The one that has the Hazard in it. No, aren't they? Are they still called event decks? No, they're called the uh, challenger decks or the yeah, uh, standard decks. Like, have different names now. Anyway, uh, event deck cards, um, precons like uh, from like. Even just like basic like starter decks have sometimes the waxier card feel to them. Some commander decks are are made like that. Just like anything that came in a package that has all of the same cards, those are the kinds of things that uh, will feel waxy and could still be real. So don't just immediately use that as the like that's the easiest thing to tell. If you pick up a magic card, you're like, oh, this is obviously not a matte finish, but that doesn't mean that it's fake. And I don't Ed, know what Ed, Ed what, yeah, are you what, are you, what are you trying to show us? doing there, Ed? Uh, are, are you done with your thoughts? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Shohei just showed me this. He said these are pictures of some fakes that popped up in a local area in Japan. Uh, he said for the most part, like, the card itself, it there's no way, like, you'll be able to see this in the picture. I can probably post this on my Twitter or something afterwards. But he said, like, the hologram on, the, on these cards are pretty good. And if you look from a distance, like, it's almost indistinguishable from a real card. Like, this is actually a fake Red Kingling Phoenix. But he said, like, the first thing that just immediately set off was they're very, very greasy. The waxy is the waxy feel is 100% a giveaway. And that, if you feel enough cards, you'll just immediately be able to, like, go through a stack and just immediately pick out, like, this card's fake, this card's fake, this card's fake, etc. Uh, I also have a video of a fake Force Wheel that was purchased over the weekend. Uh, EMA. Um, it, it, it was a particularly bad one, but, like, the hologram was... Um, it was it was one of the examples like the fake holograms. It was uh, it doesn't shimmer like the way a hologram does. It was literally just printed on with uh, with vertical foil lines. Um, I could post these on Twitter just so people could see some examples of what these things look like, and I could probably do this more in GPS going forward as I encounter them just to just to see just to show people um, at least like visually what to look out for. Yeah, the big thing is with the uh, foil, the foil stamp is whether or not the foil is uh, raised or indented to see if the cards are fake or not. It's the easiest way. You can just like feel the stamp 
and it's not that hard. Um, yeah. So basically, when it comes to counterfeits, either buy from a trusted source or get a second opinion once you bought the card. Yeah, and if you're playing Magic and you're worried about your opponent's cards being fake, um, most of them are indistinguishable in sleeves, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. But if you have any concerns, you're always strongly encouraged to call a judge and ask them. Yeah, to we've actually DQ'd players from tournaments because judges have been doing judge uh, deck checks, and then they're like, "This card looks fake," and they pull it out of the sleeve, and it's an obvious fake, and it's like, "Yep, get out of the tournament." Well, I don't necessarily think that that's like I don't think that they necessarily played with a fake on purpose, but. Um, oh, we have had instances where someone has proxied every card but the basic lands in our tournaments. Okay, well, that's that's different than like yeah. your playset of X is fake. Like over the, I think it was last weekend, Danny Jessup was or Andrew Jessup. Andrew, sorry, one of the Jessup brothers was playing with fake Cavern of Souls and Horizon Canopies, but like clearly that was not his mo. wasn't to like do that. They just he. The person he borrowed them from didn't know they were fake also so like don't assume malicious intent if someone has a fake card um but i would still recommend if you have any questions to call a judge uh and just in case you feel uncomfortable you can also ask to speak to them away from the table that is one important thing to note like you have to be very very careful about doing it like at gps uh if you ask star city they will say that They'll basically make some very offhand comment like, we cannot authenticate your cards. We just are not able to buy this from you, i.e. you have a fake card. Uh, like, if you're playing against someone, don't, like, don't pick up their duel and say, this card's fake. Uh, the best thing to do, like Jim said, is, like, call Judge. Just mention it to him, like, hey, I think, like, there's something that looks off about my opponent's duel land or something. Uh, is it possible that a, a, a judge comes and looks at it or something? Um, that's, like, I, that's happened a few times to me. And uh, my opponent, or my opponent, my the judge just basically asked for my table number, my name. They got my opponent's name, and I believe like the opponent was deck checked at some point in the following round. Um, and I think that's like the that's like the best way to go about it. Again, you want to be very careful. Don't like just be acute. Don't accuse your opponent of just actually playing with fakes. That just leads to some pretty like nasty situations. Just be discreet about it. And uh, usually, like judges will be the ones to take care of it for you. Yep, that's uh, pretty self-explanatory. Jim, do you want to get into our credit winner of the week? Absolutely. So our credit winner this week, I believe his name is Chase Eichler. That's one. That's my guess. Um, I apologize if I said your last name wrong, Chase, but he says, uh, you guys briefly touched on rotation, but to dig a little deeper for each rotating set, I'm going to get Hour of Devastation, Kaladesh, and Aether Revolt. What do you think are the best cards from each post-rotation. Um, well, there's three of us, and there are four sets, so Edge can have two. And I'm going no, to pick... No, I want one of each. Wait, what? This is too <laughs> easy. I will have like, each? a good card from each set. Yeah, one um, of each is pretty easy. Yeah. Okay, fine. Well, uh, my pick from Hour of Devastation is definitely uh, Nicol Bolas to God Pharaoh. I think that's like the easiest card that you can purchase and will retain value pretty much forever. Uh, it's a weird card because it's he'll never be the God Pharaoh again unless we go back to Amonkhet and they'll probably give him a new card then. So 
I don't foresee this as being a card that's likely to get a reprint in any kind of supplementary product. Um, as far as online cat, like a couple of like basically all the cards you want to pick are like casual all stars or things that will just be good over the long term. So uh, from online cat, I'd probably pick as foretold. No. Yeah, get ah. get it. I have um, one other one. I hope you don't say that one either. Uh, and for Amonkhet, I'm only picking one. All right. Uh, As for Tolls, is a weird card because it's like the kind of thing that could get really busted if another card gets printed that works well with it. Um, I don't know that they're necessarily ever going to print anything better than Ancestral Visions and or Ancestral Vision and Living End to cast with it. But it lets you cheat on mana, and that's always really busted. So eventually it'll become too good. Maybe it'll get banned. Uh, from, what is it, Kaladesh? Uh, I think pretty much it's hard to it's hard to make a pick. I think Panharmonicon oh could my be God. good. <laughs> but I'm not sure that, like, it's the kind of card that they could just put in a commander deck at some point in time and kill the value. So if you wanted to get those, I'd probably just get foil ones. Uh, and then for Aether Revolt, I think that my favorite card here is uh, Metallic Mimic. It used to be more expensive than it is now, and it's, like, it's weird because it's a lord that can go in any kind of tribal deck. Typically, the lords that go in all the tribal decks, like the, the colorless ones, are not very good. This one is better than average, but still also not very good, so I'm not sure if that's necessarily the best card out of that set to get. Man. You hit, like, half of mine. That's two out of four, yes. That's how math works. All right. So, Amonkhet, I was going to go with As Foretold. My backup plan is Anointed Procession. This is a shifted Parallel Lives that should go down to about 3 or $4 and then creep back up to 6 or 7 again. Um, this is definitely going to go down when standard players sell their copies. Uh, you just wait a while and it goes back up. Um, Hour of Devastation... Uh, Jim, I don't think said it. I like the Scarab God because I I think this card is just insane in Commander and it it does it does real work. Um, so that's probably what I'm keeping an eye on out of that set. Kaladesh was Panharmonicon. Jim stole that, so I'm going to go with um, what's it called? Oh man, why am I blanking? All right, we'll come back to Kaladesh in a second. Ether Revolt is a fatal push for sure. Uh, this is a card that it, it's already going down because of rotation, but it's always going to see play in eternal formats. Um, so this could be the next path to exile. The difference is path has a ton of demand um, for casual, which is why even after all these reprints, it, it always goes back up. But uh, fatal push probably won't get printed 8 million times and people will always need a couple copies. Um, and back to Kaladesh, since I can't remember which card I wanted to go with, maybe Rashmi, that card sees a little bit of playing commander and it's pretty low right now. Um, if I want to pick something from Kaladesh that wasn't Panharmonicon, that would probably be it. Um, Torrential Gear Hulk is also another one that sees a bunch of playing commander in my area just for fun. So it's just something to keep an eye on because the card is shown that it is, it's a good card. Are those all the standard sets that are rotating? We only have four? Yeah, it's a whole year. All right. Well, I'm just glad Kaladesh is finally gone. Uh, yeah, I, I assume a lot of people are. Yeah. 
Ed? Uh, Ambenket is uh, Liliana Death's Majesty. Our devastation is Razaketh. Uh, Kaladesh is. Are you going to pick Bantu and keep going with it? Or no, no for what it's worth, I have infinite the... people ask me for Razaketh, and we never can keep that card in stock. I think I talked about it on the cast a couple weeks ago. That's a good one, Ed. Yeah, most of these cards we talked about. Kaladesh is Inventor's Fair, and Aether Vault is Mechanized Production. Um, all these cards, with the exception of Liliana Death's Majesty, because she's a Planeswalker, um, the other three cards are basically like $1 to $2 cards. You can, like... I'm sure you still have opportunities to like occasionally find them out like bulk bins or like find them just in like discount bargain bins or whatever. Um, like in Better's Fair, we've seen it like break into competitive play a little bit in modern and like in lantern decks. Um, that card is probably like the spikiest card of the bunch, but for like our devastation and Aether Ball, like mechanized production, Razakath are both the type of cards that are just like. Like quirky, dorky cards. Like one's like a big, dumb, fat demon, and the other one is just kind of like this alternate, like cool thing that you can do in EDH with, um, with artifacts. I think the way it's worded, uh, like this, you can do goofy things like with like paradox hands, for example. Like that's you know, there's no shortage of like, like cute things you can do that kind of like, a, like that will cheese this. Alternate wind comes are always popular. Um, like these cards are unlikely to explode in value. But it's one of those things that, like, if you have these, vendors will always want to buy them from you because it's hard to keep these in stock. With the exception of Inventor's Fair, these are all Mythics. Um, and unlike unlike a card like Chandra Torture Defines, which every player has four of, or like Hazard or something, because, I guess one, because they're in Challenger decks, but two, because those were, like, competitive cards people knew to hang on to those. There's no shortage of these like these other cards that you can find in draft shaft that people just don't really care about. You find them in trade binders of people who don't actively play commander, who don't really think about it. Um, that you can just kind of pick up on the cheap for nothing. Uh, most vendors have reasonable buy prices on them again because these are the casual cards that they like to have a stock of all the time. Like in Jeremy's case, it's Ratheketh. Um and like I think. You know, it's unlikely that these cards will ever explode in price. It's unlikely mechanized production is going to like make some like, you know, become a breakthrough deck in modern or something. But the nature of these casual cards is that they'll just always be good. They will always have a steady buy price, and you can usually find reasonable opportunities to pick them up on the cheap. Moving on. Uh, yeah. So I think we covered that question pretty well. Uh, Chase, can you send me an email at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com and I'll get you your $25 gift certificate to coolstuffinc.com. If you'd like to win next week, uh, please leave a question on the coolstuffinc.com page that has our podcast go up. It should be up Thursday, August 23rd. Want to get into pick of the week? Uh, no, I want to talk about how Ed went to his 100th GP. All right. He had Yay. a great cake. Two cakes. Two cakes? Does that mean when you go to your 200th GP, you'll get four cakes? He'll be I, dead. I don't know. It took me like four years to get to like 100 GPs. So, so like in, another four years <laughs> will get you four cakes. Uh... That seems a little on the sad side, but I don't know. Who knows? 
What I want to know is how many miles have you flown to get to a hundred Grand Prix? Uh, so like, the you first know how some airlines send you at the end of the year, like your progress. Like, how many hours of your life have you spent sitting in airport lounges? Uh, so <laughs> like, so like my first two years, I was kind of on like the just economy plan because I flew with like a bunch of other people. We usually booked like whatever was cheapest. I wasn't really on the uh, maximizing uh, value at that point. Then again, I also wasn't flying very far. Um, so with that prognosis, it just made sense to fly whatever was cheapest. Uh, that being said, I'm at like 600,000 miles or something. Woo! Yeah. Good job, Columbus. Yay. So, but the, but like that number's kind of that number's kind of off. Uh, thirty-three percent of the GPs were international GPs. Uh, there's some other like interesting statistics when I actually went through and looked at it. But I want a spreadsheet. You should you should write an article. About 100 GPs with Ed. Can we, we pay him not to put it anywhere? You can, can pay him whatever you want. I'm not going to do that. I don't have money for that Wait, shit. We can, we can probably save her for after hours. I have uh, some good stories. Man, we have not had an after hours in a year. I mean, we haven't a had a, on, a regular hours on time in like a year either. <laughs> I think the last after hours we had, we talked to JR about murder and assassinations. Uh, well, maybe we can talk about impeachments instead. <laughs> oh. um, Come on, it's topical. Yeah. We, were, we were supposed to uh, come to a resolution on fry sauce and wing sauce. Oh, is this our is this our last wrap up topic before we get out of here? This yeah, I wrap feel up like topic we don't have the week and then we'll the week because we did four picks this week each. No, we still have to do pick of the week. No. We owe it to our listeners. All right. And pose the question, we'll answer it, we'll get into pick of the week, and then you and I can go to bed, because it's like, yeah. Two in the morning, yeah. Uh, we talked about this, came up on Twitter, uh, and we basically briefly discussed in chat optimal fry sauce and optimal wing sauce. Go. Lemon pepper on the wing, not close. Well, there is a storied history. You changed the question. You changed the question. You said specifically wing dry rub, which yeah. lemon pepper is one, not a Ooh. wing sauce. What was it? Wing dry rub? Because there's like four different dry rubs, right? Like yeah, there are yeah, but that's rubs. that's the question that you asked. That's why I said it was. That's why I agreed with Jeremy. Otherwise, I would not agree with Jeremy. No, it was best wing sauce, and the answer is lemon pepper. But that's it's not a not... sauce. That's a dry rub. Yes, but you see, I'm from Missouri, so we don't know the difference. All they have is like dry rubs and dry and dry things there. Apparently, don't believe in like having like food yeah. that's actually like juicy. So, yeah, like St. Louis style barbecue is dry, like most dry rubs. Yeah. So I think of the dry rubs, I'm kind of impartial to salt and vinegar. Out of your I, wings. Yeah. Uh, can we can no. we kick them off the cast now? No, I don't want to kick them off the cast. That's not that's not that bad. But like, I don't. I don't like them on. I don't even like that on potato chips. I I would go with lemon pepper if I had to pick a dry rub. If I had to pick a sauce, I don't really like spicy that much. So I my usual go to is garlic parm. Lemon pepper. Wait wait say say it again. Sorry you cut out you cut out there Jim. What was it? Oh, if I had to pick a sauce that was not a dry rub, my usual go to is garlic parm because I don't 
typically like very spicy barbecue sauces. Okay, respect. I am a big fan of most barbecue sauces. So like honey barbecue is generally pretty good. Uh, usually I try and pair that with like something actually spicy though. So like mango habero is pretty good. Is Ed I'm trying okay to drop hints on like what type of barbecue food he wants catered for the uh, 40 Duel Land tournament? I mean, I don't expect you to actually bring me good food. So I mean, we had we had barbecue. We ordered like two hundred dollars of barbecue for the last tournament, and we were all destroyed by the end of it. Oh, okay, seems good. Yeah, there's okay a. Did you get any barbecue while you're in Florida? No, there's no such thing. There is such thing. You missed out. I I don't believe you. Do they like throw pepper on an alligator's tail and it's like boom? No, uh, Orlando in particular has a pretty good uh barbecue chain called four rivers we'll have to take you there next time noted next time next time well moving on to the finance content that our listeners fry sauce podcast for fry sauce (laughs) we have to keep it somewhat on topic this is yeah this is on topic you have to eat at a grand free right you need to know what the great the best fry sauces are to have uh i agree with ed's earlier comment which is uh Chocolate frosty, vanilla frosty. No, it's just in general. Frosties are fine. Frosty in general, but I I prefer chocolate frosty. I don't like salt and vinegar on your fries. Again, with the dry rubs. Yep. Versus fry sauce, fried dipping sauce. I don't think that they have liquid in in Missouri. I think that's just the problem. No, you take a bottle of vinegar and you dip it on the. You like pour it on the fries and then you take a handful of salt and throw it on there. I'm like pretty okay with like salt and vinegar, but like if I had always had a choice, it would just be like, yeah, bring me like a vanilla frosty. I'll just duck my fries in there. So, all right. All right. If, you, if you haven't tried it, would recommend next time oh, you're at Wendy's. God. Pick of the week. Ed, go. Uh, Polyraptor. It's another card uh, from Rivals. It's one of those cards where every vendor has on their buy list. It's like, it's again, it's the type of card that, like, if you ask someone, they will never care about it. You can pick it up and trade. You can buy it from them. They will never say no to like fifty cents or a dollar. Um, I'm pretty sure most buy lists, if you can find them, probably are like about a dollar to a dollar fifty. Um, especially if you do something like, uh, like I don't, I don't know what Star City has. I probably I didn't have a chance to look it up, but like it would surprise me if you like you know you bought them at a dollar and then you you just turned it to Star City credit. Uh, with a 50% credit bump, that's like 38% off, I believe. Math is, math, math is eluding my, me right now. But with a 50% trade bump, if you're getting a dollar, if you're paying a, a dollar on Polyrapper, you're trading for uh, for 50 for 50% trade bump, um, and you can use that to actually buy like the cards that you want. That's just actually saving you money right there. Um, and like that, that's you like paying actual buy price on it. Um, usually, you can get it for less, mainly because it's one of those. Again, it's a mythic rare. It's a dorky like casual card. It's a it's like a big dumb dinosaur. It kind of hits all the sweet points of of a card that will just always be good. It's uh, like it's eight mana. It's eight mana five five that technically has no text. So it's like, is it is it ever going to like? Breakout modern, definitely not. But like, will this card always be worth something to vendors who sell the casual players? Absolutely. Um, and these are definitely like the kinds of things that you like. You can probably get most of your edge because if you're again, if you're just like 
picking up local collections or you just kind of like trade to people at your FNM, you can pick these up for relatively nothing, mainly because these don't really come to people's attention the same way competitive cards like, you know, if you go up to someone and say, I want to trade for your set of Rekindling Phoenixes, most likely the answer is I need to hold on to those. If you find like a bunch of Polyraptors in someone's binder, it's like, yeah, go ahead and take these. I'm never going to do anything with them. So it's definitely where you want to be with uh with the standard cards that are not like the cat uh they're not like the hyper competitive uh rares and mythics right now. Jim, All right. My pick this week uh is another standard card, but it goes kind of in the opposite direction of the stuff that we picked earlier. So my pick this week is Vraska Vraska Relic Seeker. Uh, if you're paying attention to the announcement that announcements that they made for Guilds of Ravnica, Golgari is one of the guilds that will be featured there. So there's going to be a significant number of black green cards being added to standard it, with the addition of all the rotations and all stuff. Like it's possible and probable that if there is a Golgari deck, it will want to play Vraska. And there's not very many of them. Uh, Ixlania wasn't opened a ton. It wasn't that popular. You can find them on TCG Player for like $6.50, $7 maybe. Um, if you play Standard, I would probably own a couple of co couple of copies of these. If you play Commander and you've just been waiting a little bit, um, I don't think that they're going to get cheaper until it rotates in the following year. So like probably either now or December is your best time to buy that. And like outside of red cards, black cards I think are the, the second best color and standard, so uh, it would not surprise me if there is a Golgari mid-range deck that comes out of the next set. I have two picks for why is this card worth this price, and then I have a pick of the week. Propaganda is $9. It was $3 a year ago. Um, that's something where you see it and you just go like, what the heck is going on? Uh, it's in a unique effect that hasn't been printed in a while. And it's just uh, something to keep an eye on. Phantasmal Image is also now $17. Um, the Bant Spirits deck has finally got legs, and it's putting up a bunch of good finishes. So the card went from 3 to 7, and now it's up to 17. Um, How does Spirits have legs? What? How does Spirits have legs? I'm confused. Do you, do you want a pun? Or do you, you know what I mean, Ed? Um, Wow, he's giving you crap for this, and like you're just like not getting it. You're like, what are you talking about, Ed? No, I'm I'm not I'm not dignifying it. Um, then should we not dignify you from now on? I mean, yes, that is that is the plan. Um, oh, on board. Obnixilus the Fallen was recently reprinted in Iconic Masters. This card has started to tick up um, due to one of the combos with the new commander cards. Um, so this is a card that should hit like seven or eight dollars probably. I think it's still like three to four. Uh, so keep your eye on it. It's uh, a lot of people talking about it in commander circles, and it's starting to pop up more in EDH rack. So it's just something to if you see it at the old price because it's starting to rise in the last week. Just keep an eye on it and probably pick it up if you need one. So yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be it for this week. You can find me for a short time on site, and Ed will be there all weekend. Um, but where in can Prague, people, in case that wasn't yeah. clear to anyone, uh, where can people find you guys elsewhere online? I'm at Edwin13 on Twitter. I'm in Prague this weekend. Next weekend is Richmond. Uh, what's after Richmond? Detroit, I think, and then Stockholm. I think that's the next month. Yeah, just don't eat the fish there. <laughs> <laughs>
They're made out of sugar. That was actually terrible. Oh. Oh, now I feel guilty, Ed. Jim, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at PHROSD underscore. You can sometimes find me in the OK state of Florida. Uh, and you can find me on this podcast every week. I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at Missouri MTG. Um, Ed and I will be at my 40 Dual Land Legacy tournament. We have like 30 spots left uh, six weeks out. So I'm pretty happy with the turnout. Uh, it goes to Homes for Our Troops as the charity of choice. Other than that, thanks for listening to Cartel Aristocrats. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Cartel underscore finance. You can find us on Facebook at Cartel Aristocrats. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, our sponsors, CoolStuffInc.com and MTGCast.com. We will have more information as people start making more money as the summer cools off a little bit. But until then, as always, we will see you guys next week. Have a good one and bye-bye.